Buffalo. Now Bennett. Herbert Hage shoots and scores. Carter Verhage did it. Let's go home, baby. The Panthers have shocked the world. The biggest upset in NHL history. 4-3 Florida in overtime in game seven. Dives, clears it. 12 seconds left. Final push, Colorado. This is Rodriguez to the outside. Lekkonen goes deep. Five seconds left. McKinnon on the wall. Three seconds left. Out in front. Broken up. That's Kraken hockey, baby. The Seattle Kraken have made history. They have won their first playoff series. They march on to the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Hello and welcome to the Ice Guys, brought to you by the National Hockey Now Network. This is the show that takes you into the world of the National Hockey League. Every game, every day, from a betting perspective. With pro sports handicappers, Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith, and various guests from the world of hockey and sports betting. And now, here's your host, Ian Cameron. Welcome to the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now. Monday, May the 1st. It's a brand new month today. The month of May has arrived, which means we're getting oh so closer to finding out who's going to hoist the Stanley Cup in 2022-23 as the first round will come to a conclusion tonight with the final game of the first round, and it's a Game 7, uh, the third Game 7 of this opening round, the New Jersey Devils hosting the New York Rangers and what has been a Pretty crazy series in terms of momentum swings uh, throughout, and uh, we'll see who ends up advancing uh, between them tonight. Ian Cameron, Alex B. Smith with you. Uh, we're ready to uh, talk about Game 7 in just a moment, but before we do that, we have to look back at what was a fun and exciting Sunday of Game 7s, a great doubleheader last night. Uh, both games, I mean, dramatic tension like you couldn't believe. I mean, you could so thick you could cut it with a knife. That kind of tension in both hockey games last night will obviously begin with one of the more shocking, stunning upsets, not just in recent Stanley Cup playoff memory, in sports. You know, the major sports of, you know, football, basketball, baseball, hockey, the major four sports, you'd be hard-pressed to find a bigger playoff series upset, you know, than this one. I mean, when you factor in the gap in points between the Florida Panthers and the Boston Bruins, uh, in the regular season, you factor in that this was one of the single greatest regular seasons of all time in NHL history that the Boston Bruins put together, and yet it isn't enough to get them out of the very first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs as they get beaten in seven games by the Florida Panthers, and it ends in overtime on a Carter Verhage wrist shot from the circle uh, to beat Jeremy Swayman for the game-winning goal in overtime and the Boston Bruins going home. I mean, there's a lot to unpack from this game. There's a lot to unpack from this series. Let's start with the fact 
that stuck out to me going in to or coming out of this series with the Boston Bruins, their regular season, historic season goes down the tubes after the first round. Here's what stuck out to me. The longer this series went, the more tight the Bruins got. You know, you could tell this was a team feeling it. And I was totally shocked by that when you factor in the experience and the winning pedigree that this organization has experienced in the last decade, that they got tight. I never thought in a million years that could happen to the Boston Bruins, that no situation that they get put in could spook them, could prevent them from playing their best hockey. And sure enough, we saw it. And at the turning point of the series, we all know what it was. Game five overtime. Uh, it looked like the Bruins were at, the, at that moment still up comfortably. 3-1 in the series. One shot away from moving on. The gaffe and the turnover. Linus Allmark misplay. Although, the, again, his teammates had a hand in that. you got to make yourself available. Matthew Kachuk pounces on it. They score the overtime winner. And it looked like the Bruins never truly recovered, and I thought they would. Because I said, you got these leaders on this team and guys that have been through the wars and the trench warfare of Stanley Cup playoffs and the highs and the lows and the momentum swings and being able to handle, you know, when things go against you, like Marchand and Bergeron uh, and Posternock and all the veterans that have been here. Even Charlie McAvoy is a veteran now uh, for this Bruins team. All these guys that have been in the wars for years would surely be able to say, you know what? Game five was a horrible, tough loss that close to ending the series, but we've still got two shots at it. We've still played pretty well. We can finish this off. And then it was game six that it really showed to me that, hey, this Bruins team is, this is this is trouble. Because that game in particular, and you could carry it over into game seven last night. I couldn't believe, after a stellar season of impeccable team defense, that the Boston Bruins were suddenly breaking down in the defensive zone, left and right, positional breakdowns, losing coverage, losing forwards, going to the net for easy opportunities, uh, just not marking uh, their man in the defensive zone, uh, just lack of communication. I can't, can't, I've lost count, especially from game five onward, how many turnovers, how many misplays with the puck the Boston Bruins had, how many gaffes, how many turnovers, how much sloppy play did they have with the puck? Game seven, when it was early in the first and the Bruins were struggling to find their footing, Brandon Montour gets the first goal, one nothing. They could barely make a crisp tape-to-tape pass. It was shocking to see it. You know, there was no no crispness in their game. The Just the execution, making a simple play, making a pass to your line mate, making a pass from the defenseman up the ice to a forward to get the transition rush going. Simple hockey 101 fundamentals. The Bruins couldn't make it work. They couldn't all of a sudden, just the simple things. They weren't able to accomplish it. They weren't able to execute the Bruins. You know, bobbling pucks, mishandling pucks, fanning on shots. How many times did we see that last night in Game 7 alone from the Boston Bruins? I mean, it was just, and that to me speaks a little bit to pressure getting on you a little bit. You know, the pressure of the moment, knowing you've had this historic season and you're one game away from seeing it all go up in flames, up in smoke, and I, I'm just surprised that the veterans that the Bruins have on this hockey team let it get to a point where they were shook. They were shook by this possibility of seeing a 3-1 series lead, go down the drain and lose the series, and have this historic season just go for shit and, and end this way. And it got to them. And 
how many times do we see Boston cough up a third period lead this year as well? How many times? Not very often. You probably only need one hand to count how many times it happened. And sure enough, they actually tie the game early in the third. Horrible rebound control, by the way, by uh, uh, Bobrovsky. It was an awful rebound to give up. Uh, Boston takes a 3-2 lead. And then you think, oh, Boston's on their way now. And here's now they're at home. They're up a goal. They're going to bring this thing home. Sure enough, they could not. They could not. Montour strikes to tie the game late. And, of course, again, nobody was paying attention to Verhage. He comes off the sideboards, clear time and space, tons of it, to just rip that puck past Jeremy Swayman, another defensive breakdown, and uncharacteristic shit that from the Boston Bruins, especially in the last three games, cost them. And, you know, I think there's uh, – I can't even say that their offense was the problem. You know, their power play was very good last night. Uh, I think they lost it because of their defensive play, honestly, and all the turnovers and all the breakdowns that we never saw from this team uh, during the regular season. And, look, for as great a coaching job, and he's still probably going to win, the, the the Jack Adams, you would think, Jim Montgomery, man, why did he not go to Swayman sooner than Game 7? If he had an inkling – that Allmark was A, struggling, and B, less than 100% and, and injured, which from all indications, we're starting to uh, get word that that looks like it might have been the case, that Linus Allmark was not 100%. We had our goalie expert, Kevin Beach, even saying the way he was moving and getting up from the crouch position uh, in between the pipes didn't look like a guy that was 100% healthy. So he made some mistakes. You know, not putting, you know, the game five when Bergeron came back, there was talk about him with Marshawn, and he kind of screwed that one up a little bit. So Montgomery's got to take a little uh, of the blame for this. The team, obviously, the defensive issues, you know, the goaltending wasn't good enough. Allmark, you know, down the stretch struggled, although, as I mentioned, maybe a product of injury. And then Swayman, look, I think the first goal he's got to stop. He has to. He can't let that first goal that Montour scored right between the wickets on the backhand go in. But what a tough spot for the guy. And he didn't get much help from his blue line. So I don't think it's un I think it's unfair. Totally blame Jeremy Swayman uh, last night, but just a cataclysmic failure. And I don't want to hear this. Oh, but we had this historic regular season. No, you're judged, in my opinion, by playoff success. You know, did, did we say the right for all, for all these years? The Leafs had great regular seasons, great job in the regular season, but that's okay. You get bounced in the first round. That's okay. You have a choke job. That's okay. You gag away the lead. No, we never let him off the hook for it. So I'm not letting the Boston Bruins off the hook for it either. This is a horrendous loss, period. And I don't want to disrespect Florida by saying that totally. And I want to give them their credit. And I want to give Paul Maurice credit. By the way, Paul Maurice, 4-0 in Game 7s as an NHL head coach. How about that? Not a bad stat. Uh, Paul Maurice, nice job. Resilience. You know, leadership from them. Matthew Kachuk, Brandon Montour. You know, already had an incredible season, and what a series he ended up having. You know, let's give Florida their due, and Bobrovsky, you know, did enough uh, in between the pipes. But this, to me, is more about the, the failure of the Boston Bruins, and this being one of the utter one of the biggest disappointments in recent sports memory for a team that was as good as the Bruins were in the regular season for as long as they were. And to see it end this way, and you can't close a 3-1 series lead against a team that barely snuck into the playoffs with two home games. You have leads in all of them, and you can't close. They had a lead in game five, couldn't close. Game six, couldn't close. I thought DeBrusque, the shorty in game six in Florida when they went up 5-4. Oh, Bruins are going to finish this thing now. Uh-uh, didn't happen. Uh, game seven, 
Up 3-2 early in the third yesterday. Ah, Bruins have the lead. Now we're going to see that Bruins team. They've closed out. They've protected the lead better than any team in the NHL this year. Uh-uh. Didn't happen. Just absolute. Their game just went to sh complete shit collectively, especially their defensive game at the wrong time. And, and now they're going to have a long offseason of soul-searching. We saw the scenes after the game, Patrice Bergeron staying on the ice, consoling his teammates, emotional moments and uh, hugs with especially David Krejci and Brad Marchand, two of the guys he's been with for the longest uh, on this Bruins team. Is this the end for one of the great captains and leaders in recent NHL memory, Patrice Bergeron? It sure looks that way, you know, with the way that uh, uh, scene unfolded at the end. Now in the press conference, he was noncommittal. But, man, it sure looked like this might be it for Patrice Bergeron. And if he does retire, that's going to spark a whole offseason of where do the Boston Bruins go from here? Because you'd like to think when you have a season this good, you can run it back next year. But, man, can you? First of all, they're not going to be as good or as healthy as they were in the season this year. And second of all, you know, the playoffs are not easy. You know, you need a lot of luck. You need good fortune. You need to be at your best. And, and you just need to be on top of your game. And. Will that be the case for the Boston Bruins next year, even if they do get back into the playoffs? So there's a lot of decisions that have to be made with this team now following just a an, an utter disappointment, you know, and it, it is. I hate to use that word collapse, choke job. Those are those are harsh words to use, but we've used them on the Leafs. We've used them on the Minnesota Wild. We've used them on a bunch of other teams. The Boston Bruins shouldn't be immune to that. This was a choke job. This was awful. This is as bad as it gets, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. And as someone who really loved the Bruins to win it all this year, it, uh, it's extremely disappointing. And, you know, one of the things I said in the preview, and, you know, it's pretty much all, well, Boston should take care of this easy, light work, sweep it four. The thing I said was the, the one key factor for Florida to even have a semblance of a chance in the series is that Boston beats themselves. Well, that's what they did. Most of the mistakes they made were self-inflicted. This wasn't you – know, Florida played well. They played hard. They pressured uh, Boston the entire series because, like I said, once they, you know, saw this opening and, and won game five and they had confidence, hey, you know, they played relaxed and, and the Bruins played tight. And, and that's when we saw the shift in momentum. But this wasn't just an overwhelming, dominating series by Florida. They still have to figure out what they're going to do with, with goaltending now. And it seems like Bobrovsky is probably going to be the guy moving forward. But – you know, if he turns back into regular Bobrovsky, they, they will be in trouble. Uh, but it's just a, it's just an utter collapse and utter failure from from Boston. And honestly, I hope Jim Montgomery doesn't win the Jack Adams because of the moves he didn't make and adjustments he didn't make in this particular series. I know that's not how that award works, but uh, I, I think this should cost him that, not cost him his job or anything significant like that. But he should not win an award for coach of the year uh because you just completely screwed it up in seven games what you'd done in the previous 82 and the biggest thing is not sitting Linus Olmark when you know he's hurt and everyone in the world who watched the broadcast watched the games could see every time he goes down the ice he's struggling to get back up he can't push himself uh post to post as, as, as smoothly as he was doing during the regular season it, it was obvious to everyone except Jim Montgomery and that staff and they didn't make the proper changes until it was far too late uh, so it, it's incredibly frustrating. One of the things I thought, like I said, I thought I'd be saying this at the end of June when they were hosting, hoisting the cup about what does Boston do after this? Uh, I, I figured that they would win and that we could possibly see Bergeron and David Krejci and maybe a couple of guys hang it up, uh, potentially on that team because they're older. If they had, you know, went on and, and, and clinched one more title, they probably would have been in a semi 
not to say rebuild, but at least a a top player rebuild, right? Like if if Marchand, I, I imagine he would probably be a guy who would stick around. But if Krejci and, and Bergeron go, so now you've lost two key centers. You got to rebuild that top six. You know, you don't really have much depth in Providence to just you know patch things up and be back to the top of the of the league. Uh, so that's something that, that I kind of assumed would, would take place anyway. And then, of course, you know, you add in what would have, would have been a, a Stanley Cup hangover. But now they have none of that. Now they just have a bunch of, of significant question marks. Uh, you know, and, and now we got to see with Allmark, what is this injury he's dealing with? Is it something that he can rehab and heal over in the offseason and be ready for opening night? Or is this something more serious where now Swayman's got to be a starter and they're going to have to bring somebody up or make a deal in the summer to have a backup? There's a lot of things that I have to, to figure out, like like most of the teams that are getting eliminated in the first round. But, uh, yeah, just a, a colossal disappointment for, for the Bees. Yeah, and it took a while for Paul Maurice's four-check-heavy cycle system to work. But, man, as John Massey alludes to in our chat, that's what won them the series. Their four-check really made it difficult on Boston. Boston had very little time to do much of anything. And, and that style ended up with a style that we thought was totally different from what, the way Florida played under previous regimes especially last year when they raced to the president's trophy uh, and uh, it, it, they, they executed it perfectly and Boston was definitely smothered by it. Uh, and uh, you got to give the Panthers certainly a degree of credit, but this did feel like Boston made a shit ton of mistakes, uh, had multiple opportunities to put the series away. And yes, where they go from here next season. Now uh, it's going to be very fascinating because uh, this is just one of the epic disappointments uh, in recent memory to see a season like this end in this fashion for the uh, Boston Bruins after historically good uh, regular so, season. Oh, oh, sorry. You, I do. You cut in and out. I didn't know if you were done talking to, but, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just a crazy way to have that, the teeth in. And like I said, Florida, yeah, we have to give Florida credit, right? We have, we have to do that. And especially Paul Maurice for making those changes. And like you said, having his system working, uh, you know, at the time they needed it most. This is why they hired, right? This is what yeah. we said at the beginning of the year. We were saying, you know, well, he's going to rock the boat, change things in, in the in the regular season. I think it was going to be as massive of a change as it was. But the the purpose of bringing Paul Maurice in was his playoff experience because of how bad things went in the second round last year. Uh, and, and so now you needed a guy like Paul Maurice to lead the way in a playoff style, in a series, and and, and, and this type of hockey. Now that's where, where the strength comes in. And obviously, with the next round that they have going up against Toronto, that series looks like an absolute coin flip because of the two situations that those two teams were in to get to this point. Now, uh, it's one of those where you might have to just really kind of throw some stats out the window and, and see what happens because it's uncharted territory, literally, for Toronto and, and figuratively uh, for this particular group uh, of the Florida Panthers. Yeah, exactly. And uh, like I say, if you're Toronto, I know I heard those people with the Maple Leaf Square saying, you know, uh, let's we want Florida. We want Florida. Those were the chance. Be careful what you wish for. I don't think that's going to be an easy series for Toronto uh, necessarily. I think that's going to be a good I think that's a good six gamer. That's the what I've got in mind. We'll talk more about it tomorrow yeah. uh, on our uh, second round preview show. And we'll also tee up the game ones tomorrow on the show with Ray Bryce, who is great to have him, by the way. Uh, joining us again tomorrow, our old friend, checking in with him. He's down in Florida, actually on vacation, so he's checking in from Florida right now. So I don't know if he'll still be in Florida when the uh, Leafs Panthers goes to game three, but maybe he'll go to a game there if he's still down there. But Ray will join us tomorrow. But be careful what you wish for. This Florida team, you shouldn't be disrespected. You just beat you know, a team that just had the all-time great regular season, Boston. You should pay 
little respect here to what the Florida Panthers uh, have uh, done. So I'm fascinated to see. And uh, by the way, we'll get into that more tomorrow. You talk about bad spot versus bad spot in game one. The Leafs mm-hmm. just fucking or exercised the Demons, their first ever playoff series win in 2004. First playoff series win in high-definition television. First in the Twitter era. I make all those jokes, but it's true. That's how long it had been. Yeah. you got to imagine how huge it was to get that albatross off their neck and beating Tampa Bay, finally winning a series. I don't know if it's necessarily a great spot for them tomorrow in game one, but what about Florida? You just went seven games mentally, physically, emotionally spent, and you just pulled off one of the biggest upsets in NHL Stanley Cup playoff history. And, and now you got to be, we're going to trust you to show up in game one tomorrow night. So bad spot versus bad spot. That's a fascinating yeah. uh, watch tomorrow night and fascinating because we've got our bet cast uh, tomorrow night, uh, Tuesday night. I, I was pretty sure we were going to have hockey tomorrow night. It was just how many games and uh, would they be starting the go right into the second round? They are doing that. So we can officially announce and we'll put it up on the screen. There it is. Tuesday, May 2nd, tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Another uh, Ice Guys Stanley Cup playoffs, live betcast, live betting and commentary uh, with the crew, me, Alex, viewers, listeners, as always, joining us as guests, drinking encouraged. DM me at Bobano on Twitter or email Bobano350 at gmail.com to request a spot on the BetCast tomorrow night, and we will send you the link, and we will be on the air for the whole night. We'll take you through Panthers-Leafs game one and then Kraken Stars uh, game one uh, right after that. And I got confirmation before we went on air, too. uh, We got a really special guest coming on, uh, someone that many of you from Gambling Twitter and the gambling podcast world might know so definitely check it out tomorrow there you go uh, that's a great tease right there so special guest joining the uh, betcast as well tomorrow uh, 7 p.m eastern so uh, make sure uh, you join us for that uh, looking forward to it with the uh, second round game ones getting underway tomorrow night and by the way this little harebrained scheme by the way and that's been big news today on twitter of the florida panthers they're restricting ticket sales to u.s residents uh, for uh, the uh, home games against the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in the uh, second round. How fucking well do you think that's going to work? Do you, do you really think that's going to keep everybody out uh, as a Leafs fan from getting there and watching the game? Yeah, it could help a little bit, but my gosh, you've got a ton of Canadian-born Florida residents, many of which are Leaf fans down there. They'll get tickets and go to the games. Not to mention you got people that live in Canada that probably have friends and family down in the States that can – that are living there that can buy the tickets for them. And you ever, ever heard of these things called Ticketmaster and e-transfer? Yeah. You can just transfer the tickets to someone yep. uh, that's living here and they can go down to the games. You're already seeing uh, Panthers season ticket holders, you know, selling off their tickets to Leaf fans because the Leaf fans are willing to pay through the nose, you know, to get these tickets, get to the game and watch their team uh, in the next round. So how fucking well do you think this little blockade of yours, you know, is going to work? You know, restricting the ticket sales to U.S. only residents is probably not even worth it at this point with how dogged and determined the Leaf fan is going to be, you know, to get down to those games in uh, Florida. And in the process, all it does is make yourself look petrified, you know, as a franchise that you're going to get outnumbered in your own building. So I just don't think the effectiveness of this is going to work too well. No, if you're you're a Canadian viewer and you need tickets, uh, just DM me on Twitter, AXML Sports. I'll gladly find a way to get some tickets and make a deal with you. There you go. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> like, that's a, that was a dumb idea by the Florida Panthers to do. Like, uh, like okay, well, uh, that's a little business. You know what it is because they poke the bear, and it's going to inspire Leaf fans to cry even harder to go down there and, and go to the games, probably. <laughs> and and because when have you ever seen a Florida Panther fan travel anywhere other than Tampa Bay? Yeah. <laughs> when have you seen Florida Panther fans on the road? Seriously, no. 
I've never yeah, seen yeah. it. I've been, well, I've, I've, I've been, I've been to several Panther games. I did see a few in Boston. Oh, you did? Oh, okay. They panned <laughs> yeah. to the, the Florida, actually, the broadcast. And by the way, Goldie on ice, great call. Steve Goldstein with that game winner. Uh, but after he made the call, they showed they talked about three or four guys in Panthers jerseys right there at TD Garden last night. So those are the people you you, you respect, the hardcores. They're oh, all yeah, the sure. hardcore. They yeah. got to be if they're going to Boston, you know, as Panthers fans, they've got to be hardcore. Yeah. And, and and that, but that's my point though, is that yeah, Toronto would never have to worry about doing this because how many Panthers fans would show up there? Considering the fact that yeah, it would be Leafs Nation South. Uh, if they didn't make this rule, at least that's how I feel. And I, I hope the Leafs pack that place out now because they did. You know, the Hawks got screwed with that when Nashville tried to do. Oh, we can only sell in Tennessee. It's like, okay, cool. Like I have family members. You do in know Tennessee there's workarounds, well. right? Yeah. There's ways yeah. to get around that. You do <laughs> yeah. understand that. You, are, you know, we're not the Adam figuring out. There's ways you can still get tickets and go to the game, even with yeah. your little restriction in place. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like buying a weapon in Europe. Like this is the hockey ticket to North America. Yeah, that's great. Uh, John Massey there with the, uh, as we continue to uh, uh, rail on the Panthers here, when it, you could have stopped it. When have you seen a Florida <laughs> right. Panthers? Exactly. Good call. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but anyway. All, all 94 um, of them. All not, yeah. You know, it's just, and look, I feel bad. Like if I'm mocking true blue, die in the wool, hardcore, that go to many games, that watch every game on television, Panthers fans, uh, my apologies. But I'm basing this off years and years of seeing your team especially when you were mediocre at best and bad you know where every fucking home game there in that fla live arena and you know you bank center and uh you know whatever it was before the uh name of that arena but fla live arena now uh every years and years when you've been mediocre at best and i'm seeing the majority of your building look like a halloween costume party and everyone's dressed as empty seats yeah. i'm sorry i mean that's what it, it was embarrassing the attendance figures embarrassing is what they were there were there were AHL there were AHL and, and ECHL teams out drawing the Panthers for years so yeah like anybody now being like oh like they're you know they were Panthers from the very beginning it, yeah it can't be more it literally can't be more than like 200 people honestly <laughs> <laughs> really really can't. Yeah. it is uh and uh look and if I'm the uh if I, like I say, I think what they've done is they pissed off Leaf Nation and and this 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 very and believe me, you thought they were excited in the first round. Even at, now that they finally got a win under their belt in the first round, oh, they're galvanized even more. I mean, they will absolutely make it a mission now to get tickets to those games in Sunrise, Florida, Game Three and in Game Four. No blockade is keeping the most hardcore Leaf fan out of there. It's I'm simple, simple as that. They're gonna they'll find a way. Trust me. <laughs> and especially if Toronto wins the first two games at home. Yeah. It's going to be – you'll have people just fly fly to Florida, and they won't yeah. even buy tickets. They'll just pack out every bar as well. Like, it'll, it'll be insanity. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, again, there's all kinds of workarounds, right? There's, you know, the family members in the U.S. that can give the Leaf fan tickets. There's that. There's already the Florida residents. They're Florida residents, but they're Canadian and they're Leaf fans. You don't think they're going to go to these games? If they're big-time Leaf fans and they're in the Miami Sunrise area? Of course they will. So, yeah, this little blockade, I think the Panthers think, oh, it's definitely going to give us a huge advantage in our building. No, uh, it's not. It's going to maybe keep maybe a handful of people out. But, yeah, it's not going to work this little ticket restriction as well uh, as they believe. Uh, the other game last night, I mean, what can you say about the uh, Seattle Kraken at this rate? And I, I took a shot with them. I said on the show yesterday, Seattle and draw. I'm going to split on both. Uh, and we got the Seattle one at a nice plus 188. It's what I was able to find with the uh, Kraken yesterday. 
you know, I just thought that this team has been too good on the road. They've been too unshakable. Uh, and, you know, they've had so much success against the Abs this year. Every game has been close. Uh, and they've had no issues winning in Denver. They've done it multiple times this year, once in the regular season, twice in this series. And they added a third win at Ball Arena to the ledger. And it's a win that got them the uh, Stanley or they got their first ever series win in franchise history. Although I will say this. Colorado played well enough to win. There's no doubt about that. In fact, I think that from a home game perspective, the Avs played their best home game of the series. I mean, they came out firing last night in that first period. They were all over the Seattle Kraken in the offensive zone, just firing away. It was a shooting gallery at Philip Grubauer. I can't even say it. I can't say enough how good he was last night for the uh, Kraken in net. Absolutely spectacular. Um, and Colorado just couldn't finish enough of their chances. And the longer that game stayed scoreless with Colorado carrying the play, you just knew Seattle was going to capitalize. It just had that feel to it. You know, I, I, that felt like one of Alex B. Smith's patented first goal Seattle looks, what might have been with Colorado just pressing and pressing and pressing. They can't bury one. And sure enough, Seattle comes back down and they finally take the one nothing lead. And then Oliver Bjorkstrand, who was the best forward by far for the Kraken last night, adds to the lead, makes it 2 nothing, And it's not just that he scored goals. I'm seeing him dive for, to get pucks out of the zone, especially when they were trying to hold on to the lead in the third period. Oliver Bjorkstrand's game last night was just terrific for the uh, Seattle Kraken. And look, they got a goaltending perform. If you're going to win a game seven on the road, your goaltender has to be immense. All right, there's no question about that. And we saw Bobrovsky was good for most of that game. Uh, we saw uh, Grubauer uh, be good. Uh, for Seattle last night, Shesterkin tonight's going to have to have a big game seven on the road for the Rangers. So if you're going to win game seven on the road, you got to have great goaltending. And Philip Grubauer gave them that. Uh, and in a game where I, th I think it's fair to say Colorado at the edge in play, outplayed the Kraken a little bit, doesn't matter in the end. Seattle wins, and they advance to the second round, winning their first ever playoff series in franchise history. And now they get the Dallas Stars in the second round with that series starting tomorrow night which will be, as of course, part of our Tuesday night live betcast. But uh, Alex, a great story. Uh, not so great for Colorado. And uh, look, this is not to be, you know, shocking to me. It's tough to repeat. You know, you won the championship. You wonder if that team still had the fire in their belly and the emotion and the desperation level to win another Stanley Cup when they finally got it done last year. And then you factor in, I don't think Kale McCarr was 100%. Uh, I think there were a couple others that were playing less than 100%. Everybody is, but I think especially Colorado had a lot of banged up parts to it. Cogliano didn't play yesterday. I'm also pretty damn sure of it. This off-ice shit going on with Big Val Nachushkin was a negative for this team uh, throughout this series. That wasn't something they were able to overcome, but uh, Colorado, you know, just um, not good enough. And Seattle deserves all the credit in the world. They hung in there. Fi they finally didn't play a great game last night, but they won because their defensive structure was good, their commitment to blocking shots, the goaltender was immense, and they're moving on, Alex, to the second round. Yeah, you know, congrats uh, to the Kraken. I mean, it's just amazing to see these, you know, expansion teams, first year with Vegas, second year now at Seattle, you know, come out and, and play hard in the playoffs and win. Those, these are things we could have never imagined 25, 30 years ago when we saw all the expansion teams just look awful the first few years uh, of existence. So, uh, you know, and, and shout out to Seattle. You know, they don't have a lot of winners uh, in, in that town. Uh, so they got one now with the Kraken, and it'll be an interesting series. The tough one in the second round, obviously, playing Dallas. But a uh, big win for them. Like I said, goaltending is what matters, especially in the Game 7. 
And, uh, you know, Grubauer was able to, to buckle down and, and out-duel uh, Yorgia, you know, and, and that, it was just a fun thing. Now, how, how many times he got to out-duel Jake Ottinger around too? Uh, I don't know about that. We'll talk more about that tomorrow, of course. But uh, Colorado, this is honestly, like I said, it's the same thing with Tampa Bay. It's the absolute best thing for them. They've lost over 500 man games in the regular season, still found a way to win the Central Division and get back to the playoffs and, and play in a seven-game series. And, and they went down on, you know, on, this, on this shield. Uh, they gave it all they could. They just weren't healthy enough. Uh, you know, and, and the, the fatigue and, and everything just caught up to them. Uh, so now they get a summer off, a much-needed summer off, to rest and heal and recover. And this is a team to not sleep on at all next season now one big question mark is like you said with uh big Val and this whole whatever is going on here you know they got a lot of money invested in him but if this thing gets weird er than it already is uh who knows what could happen he may not be in colorado next year that, that's quite possible so i don't know that's uh that's the biggest question mark i think going in for the abs heading into next season but the rest is a is a good thing for them uh and like i said you've already won a cup you still have most of your key pieces in, in place moving forward so uh, you know, brighter times will be ahead in Denver. Let's be honest, uh, too. And John, John's right. We've said it all series. Where was this series won for Seattle as well and lost for Colorado? Bottom six forward group. That's a huge component in this series as to why. What on earth did you get in this series from, you know, even Lars Eller and JT Comfer on the second line? They didn't really chip in a whole lot offensively uh, for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. And you know what's amazing? And that's true. You know, Seattle ended that series not having Jared McCann available to them. You know, he missed the last three games of that series after taking that hit from Kale McCarr, one of their best forwards all season long. And they still found a way to beat the Colorado Avalanche in seven games. The difference was, what did you get from Colorado, uh, from Comfort, from Eller, and then from everybody in the third and the fourth line? Matt Nieto, Alex Newhook, Logan O'Connor, Ben Myers, Dennis Malkin. What the fuck did you get from them offensively? Not a thing. Jack shit. You got nothing. Zip. Zilch from Colorado's depth forwards. Nothing at all. Uh, meanwhile, look at Seattle in this series. Okay, you know, Eberle and Schwartz uh, were big components chipped in offensively. But look at Bjorkstrand. He's playing on a third line for Seattle. And Bjorkstrand has the big night in Game 7. Yanni Gord, multiple big goals in the series. Ellie Tolvanen had a couple of big moments offensively. Brandon Tanev, you know, fourth liner. Fourth liner scores the first goal last night for the Seattle Kraken with uh, Donato and Sprong. You know, that was the difference maker. Okay, the third and the fourth line for Seattle made things happen. Made an impact. Got on the board offensively. Did Colorado's third and fourth line do that? No. That's the huge difference in the series. Basically, no. Colorado was trying to fry chicken just seasoning with salt and pepper, and Seattle had everything they needed. Garlic, salt, lemon, pepper, cayenne, and, and, and it worked out for them. That They had four lines they could roll. They had a quality defensive core, and they had great goaltending, where Colorado pretty much had a, a, a decent goalie and two forwards. Yeah, and Morgan Geeky. I didn't even mention him, and I should have. Morgan Geeky, another one of those. Although he eventually got moved up to the second line the last few games of the series. But he started the series on the third line, and, and they moved him up because he was just playing so fucking good for the uh, crack and early in the series. Morgan Geeky, you know, another one of those uh, depth forwards that deserves mention. So I want to shine the light on the – and that's why I want to name these players because nobody in the world has talked about them. 
uh, all season long for the Seattle team. You know, the mainstream media has not paid much attention to the Kraken. They really have not. And they were dismissed summarily by everybody going into that series against Colorado. And to see them come out of it ahead and moving on is credit to them. No question about that. Uh, Dave Haxtall, Ron Francis, uh, they certainly played a big part in it. So uh, credit to the uh, Kraken. Uh, great job. And uh, I'll tell you what, I still like Dallas. I'm, 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 not, I'm not abandoning Dallas. Dallas is my team, right? Outside of Edmonton, I think that's your West final. I'll say that right now. I'll spill the beans. I think it's Dallas-Edmonton in the Western Conference final. And that's how I picked it in my bracket as well, which has gone to shit in a lot of other avenues sure. you know, after the first round. But the one thing I still have alive is a Dallas-Edmonton Western Conference final, uh, which I still think is going to happen. But I'm telling you what, Edmonton's going to be put through the ringer by Vegas. That's still not going to be an easy series for them. And I think Seattle is going to put Dallas through the ringer. And that won't be an easy series for the Stars, even if they do advance. So we'll talk more about those tomorrow. We'll get into Game 7, the final game of the first round. Rangers, Devils, winner takes on the Carolina Hurricanes uh, in the second round of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll break down Game 7. Rangers, Devils, coming up in just a moment, right after we hear from Gramco. Support for the Ice Gas is brought to you by Gramco. Whether you or your team's game is on the field, screen, racetrack, court, or the ice, Gramco is for the game. Grown by farmers who spent years developing premium hemp genetics, Gramco provides customers with consistent quality Delta 8 THC products ready for any occasion. Gramco currently offers numerous Delta 8 products, including vape cartridges, disposable vapes, pre-rolls, gummies, wake-and-bake coffee, and more. Gramco offers an enjoyable, legal high delivered discreetly and directly to you. Gramco is also available at many American retailers as well. You can get the best Delta cannabis products on the market shipped quickly and discreetly from Gramco. And if you visit www.thegramco.com, use promo code ICEGUYS, you'll get 20% off of every order. And any order that's on the site over $50 will be shipped free with standard shipping. So live elevated with Gramco and check out their wonderful Delta 8 products today. All right, it is time to get into game seven. Uh, we are looking forward to it. Uh, Rangers and Devils at uh, in Newark tonight. Looking forward uh, to the final game set, final game of this first round. Uh, it is the New Jersey Devils, minus 115 home favorites, five and a half being the uh, total here tonight in Game 7. This is an ESPN uh, presentation tonight uh, for Game 7 with uh, Sean McDonough, Ray Ferraro, and Emily Kaplan uh, on the call. Uh, look, um, this series has been a wild one and a weird one, really, when you look at it. Um, I think we were all of the belief, and I certainly was, that the Rangers were in firm control and about to maybe end this series quickly against the New Jersey Devils after the first two games. 5-1 victories in Game 1 and in Game 2. But our resident Ranger fan, John Massey, reminded me that the Rangers don't do things easily uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. And if you go back and look at it historically, that is indeed true. You know, the New York Rangers have not won very many series in four or five. It's always been six, and it's gone the distance. And sure enough, here we are yet again uh, in Game 7. Uh, with these two teams and the devils turned things around in new york sparked by a, a bold move by lindy ruff to uh, sit down vtech vanacek after a tough two games and go to akira schmid uh, in game three and in game four he was very good 
But I think a lot of I think the goalie change what it also did while the young kid did play well, it sparked a better team commitment defensively out of the New Jersey Devils. And we saw that in game three and in game four. Shut down all the top players for the uh, Rangers. It continued into game five. The power play all of a sudden, which was rolling in the first two games, couldn't get anything done uh, in the game three, game four, and in game five, allowing the Devils to take a 3-2 series lead. But I asked the question on Saturday, you know, as someone that bet the Rangers before the series started, this now is a different kettle of fish for the Devils. Game six, I'm talking about. This is a young team now in a closeout game, a chance to clinch a series. That's And they always say the fourth win in a series is difficult. Hell, we just saw the Boston Bruins with all that gaggle of experience still fail to get the job done and close out a series. How is this young Devils team going to react in their first spot and their first chance to close out a series? And they did not react well uh, on Saturday night to it. The Rangers picked up their game. Power play got back on track with the Kreider goal. Uh, the five-on-five offense finally started to flourish for the uh, New York Rangers. Uh, they got a sizable lead, and they basically cruised to a 5-2 to two victory uh, in Game 6 on Saturday night. And it's real simple as to why the Rangers won and why the Devils, after a three-game win streak, had it snapped. The big, uh, you know, the big gun stepped up for the New York Rangers pretty much across the board. Mika Zibanejad had gone without a goal in this series. He has a goal and an assist, two points. Chris Kreider who was just ripping apart the Devils in the first two games, but he had been shut down and neutralized in the last three. He gets back on the score sheet with a goal, two points, and three assists, or three points, a goal, and two assists for uh, Kreider. A couple of assists for Adam Fox, Vladimir Tarasenko, him and Patrick Kane, you know, two of the big-time acquisitions at the deadline with playoff and Stanley Cup winning experience. He stepped up. He got a goal and an assist, and a critical goal it was because that gave the Rangers some cushion uh, in Game 6. They all stepped up. Even Kane, who didn't have a point, Kane was still better. He was noticeable. Uh, you could see he had five shots on goal uh, in that uh, Game uh, 6 uh, performance. So uh, it was a better performance from uh, Kane uh, on Saturday night. So that was the difference. You know, We needed to see evidence that we could find those guys with a telescope, as I like to say, uh, on the ice. Uh, in game six, all those big time players and forwards for the Rangers, and they all stepped up. It was a collective step up effort from the Rangers when they needed it with their season on the line. So now going back to New Jersey, we have to ask ourselves again, it's a young devils team in a potential closeout game. Do they have the poise maturity? Do they have the, is the pressure building on them now after seeing this get back to game seven on their home ice? You have to wonder about that here in this game has Akira Schmid's cloak been removed you know by what the rangers did to him on saturday night they finally you know lit him up a little bit to the point he got pulled uh, in that game i think it was more just to rest up i don't think all much of it was his fault but now that invincibility that it looked like akira schmidt had going for him going into game six that's out the window now you know the rangers finally beat him you know so let's see how now they're going back to him and it's the right call he's he's, he's not the reason why they lost game six you know, uh, he didn't have as good of a game, but, you know, the Rangers stepped up. But, you know, I really do have concerns that the Devils squandered their opportunity to put when they had their foot down on the Rangers and they didn't finish the job. And let's not forget, we saw two game sevens yesterday. Which teams won those game sevens? Oh, yeah, the road team. Road team got it done uh, in both game sevens. So, you know, I'm on the Rangers in the series already. So it's going to be a victory for me if they win tonight, even if I don't bet them individually here in game seven. So let me put it this way. 
If you didn't bet the Rangers to win the series, I say bet Rangers minus 105 tonight. If you did bet the Rangers to win the series, which I did prior to the series start, I'm not adding on. I'm just going to sit back and watch the the game play out and hope that the uh, series bet cashes in uh, here tonight. So, you know, that's where I stand. I do think Rangers are going to take game seven here uh, tonight. Uh, Shesterkin in a road game seven. I will trust him in this spot because what did we see last year in Kakalaki uh, in game seven in the second round? Rangers play maybe their best game of that entire series uh, there in game seven on the road in Carolina, closed out the Hurricanes in Raleigh. I think a team capable of doing that once again here tonight. So I'm on the uh, not on the Rangers, I should say. I'm just going to watch the series bet play out with the Rangers, and I'm going to go with the third period over, uh, as I've done throughout these elimination games uh, as well, over two uh, at around uh, even money. And then as far as the props go for this game, it's mostly going to be shots. Look, shots on goal props were very good uh, yesterday. A lot of them that we mentioned ended up coming through, and don't overthink it. Don't overthink it in a game like this. The, the guys that are going to shoot the puck and have the high volume of shots on goal, they're going to be the big guns. So I'm looking at Jack Hughes for New Jersey. You know, I'm looking at maybe Nico Heeshear for New Jersey, uh, Timo Meyer. I mean, those are the guys I want over shots on goal props on for New Jersey here tonight in this game. If I'm looking at Rangers shots on goal uh, player props, uh, I want to mention too in game six, he, he did mention, you know, I've got to try to be a little bit more aggressive shooting the puck. And, and he certainly did. Uh, both uh, Zabanajad and uh, Panarin said that uh, Panarin did have three shots. So I would look at maybe over two and a half with him. I would look at over two and a half shots on goal with Tarasenko. Uh, he was more active, you know, in terms of putting the puck toward the net. So over two and a half shots on goal with uh, Tarasenko. I like he's gone over two and a half shots in four straight games uh, in this series. Um, and Patrick Kane, I'd probably look at over two and a half shots for him as well, which he has hit, by the way, in four of the f- five games, five games, four of the last five games, I should say, uh, in this series for Sir Patrick Kane, uh, over two and a half shots on goal. And then as far as the goals and the points and the assists, which I don't want to go crazy on because this could be a 3-1 game. It really could. You know, it wouldn't totally shock me if it's that kind of game. So we may not see a bunch of goals, which means we don't want to, you know, hammer the board with goal props and assists props and point props. But here are the guys you would target for some small goal and point props if I were to look in these directions. And that's what they're going to be, small bets, because game seven, sometimes you don't get goals in bunches. But for me, for New Jersey, it's Hughes. It's Palat, who is a big game performer, who's been there before. Dawson Mercer, my guy, is starting to heat up again for the New Jersey Devils. I'd look toward him for a goal prop or a point prop. And then on the New York Rangers side, if you're looking at goal props, point props, I mean, you, you have to take Kreider. You just have to. He's been that incredible. What is it now? Six goals in this series for the uh, New York Rangers in uh, six games. So Chris Kreider, Tarasenko is the next uh, highest goal scorer in the series for the New York Rangers with three. Not a bad option to look at uh, Vlad Tarasenko either as far as a goal prop is concerned. Adam Fox assist, you know, seems to be like if, if Rangers are going to win and they're going to put the puck in the net, how Adam Fox probably is going to be able to have an impact on that. Uh, it kind of feels like it's a Philip Heedle type of moment. I know he's been a little quiet, one goal only so far in this series. But if you buy into the do factor, you know, because I think he's had some opportunities. He did have three shots on goal for the New York Rangers in game six and the assist, just not the goal. But this might be the night to invest in a little bargain bin on Philip Heedle as well uh, to find the back of the net here for uh, the New York Rangers. 
so that's where I'm going as far as the uh, game is concerned tonight, sides, totals, and player props. Uh, let's turn to Alex B. Smith here, although I think – there he yep. is. He's back. Yep. There he is. He's back. All right, Alex, <laughs> what do you think here? Game seven for all the marbles, Rangers-Devils. Yeah, sorry, I froze up a little bit because I was flipping the screen to check uh, a couple of odds. But, yeah, this is a – it's a series that I've lost quite a bit of money on already with in-game uh, series plays. I Like I said, we thought the Rangers were going to close things out earlier uh, and, and, you know, just thought that they would just have this kind of, you know, momentum riding with the just like I said, the, the youth of the Devils uh, against the experience of the Rangers. I thought that was one of the biggest X-Factors in this series. And like I said, now it kind of shines a little bit brighter than ever because it's down to one single game. Uh, and when, when you have these guys who not just on the Rangers already, who, you know, have been in series one close series over the last few years, but you add, like I said, Sir Patrick Kane and Vladimir Tarasenko guys who've gone the, the distance and won titles in their own right. That's a, that's a lot to have on your side. And when you have a goaltender like Igor Shosturkin, I mean, he's a guy that you can go to war with for one game, right? If they, there's, there's only a handful of goalies that if you say, okay, he's in that, yes, I'll bet on him. Igor Shosturkin's that guy, and Akira Smith is not. Uh, he, as I said, he, it's not his fault that he got lit up uh, in Game Six, but the the defense was not as strong in front of him as in the previous games. And, and it's pretty much what I said once they put him in. I said the changeup wasn't because he's in net. The changeup was taking Vanacek out to shake up that room, and and, and it worked. Uh, you know that that's the way you, that's supposed to happen. But now at this point. Uh, I don't. It doesn't matter who you have in that with the Devils. I, I'm back in the Rangers here. I'm not laying the dollar five, like I said, because I've already taken uh, a hit on this one as far as sides and totals go. I will have some player props. Uh, I like Sir Patrick Kane overshot. I'm looking at like I said somebody in the chat said minus a dollar forty eight for uh, over three. I'm probably going to play it with four or more shots to try to grab a plus price with that. So uh, whatever I officially get when I bet that, I'll put that out on Twitter. BetMGM uh, and FanDuel are excellent books for the ladder shot props. So if you want to bet a guy four shots or more, five shots or more, six shots or more, those are two really good books, MGM and FanDuel for that. Yeah, and, and one thing I was looking up was, because you mentioned Kreider, you could tie in Kane and Kreider to each score a goal and Rangers to win at plus 825. So that would be the way I would recommend if, if you if you haven't bet this series and you like the Rangers tonight, I think that's something to definitely put in pocket because uh, those are two guys that, like I said, Chris Kreider has been electric this series and he's been the glue in these clutch series for the Rangers. And Sir Patrick Kane is one of the best clutch playoff performers in NHL history. Uh, he's the guy who always stands and delivers. I, I joked on uh, the Edgework show earlier. I said, you know, he always shines in big games, but he doesn't really know what game seven is because the Hawks used to always win their series in six. So, uh, you know, we'll get to see him shine in the game seven here. I think it'll be showtime, and I think the Rangers advance. And, and, I mean, they have to, right? We already saw the Islanders get in the, the, the next round. You can't have the Islanders and the Devils uh, get in there. It, it just can't happen. So, I think John Massey would agree with me on that one. So, uh, Rangers should get the win here in game seven and move on to the next round. All right, there we go. Um, yeah, and if you look at last year, the Rangers, remember, they were down 3-1 uh, to Pittsburgh uh, in the first round. They came back. They won in seven. Uh, consecutive games, including Game 7, to win that series. Last year, down 3-2 against Carolina. Going back home to Madison Square Garden, they took Game 6. They got it back to Game 7 in Raleigh, and it was a 6-2 win uh, in Game 7 uh, for the uh, Rangers last year. So there's just too much evidence of the Rangers being able to handle these spots uh, and being able to get the job done. Uh, and Shesterkin, by the way, 2-0 and in those Game 7s uh, last year for the uh, New York Rangers. So 
But again, I'm already invested in the series. You know, I bet, what was it? I think plus 110, plus 115 was the series price I got on the Rangers uh, before the series started. I'm already invested in that. I don't feel like I want to jump in with Game 7 uh, in addition to that as well. So I'm just going to sit back, watch the series play out, and hope for a Rangers win to cash that series bet uh, here. Uh, and plus keep the futures alive because I do have Rangers uh, Eastern Conference and Stanley Cup futures pending as well. Them, the, the futures I've got right now, are Rangers still alive? Are Rangers Eastern Cup, Carolina Eastern Cup, Edmonton East Western Cup, and uh, Dallas, which I added right before the playoffs, or, or I should say, late in the regular season, I added Dallas uh, West and Cup. So that's where I'm at. We got four teams right now still alive, two on each side: Rangers, Canes, East, and then we've got um, Oilers and Stars in the West. All right, so there we go. Uh, that is the uh, Game 7 look. Uh, looking forward to tomorrow. Again, we've got a double a dose of the ice guys coming your way on Tuesday. The Daily Show at 2 p.m. Eastern, which will be a fun show because we'll do an overall broad you know, look at the uh, second round tomorrow on the show. We'll preview all four second round series. You know, just overall series prices, series props. We'll throw out that, you know. Um, I'm hoping to do a little bit better with the series leading goal score type props than I did in this round. And maybe we'll scale back on those a little bit. But uh, definitely we'll give you some series props, series prices. We'll do all that tomorrow uh, on the show. And we'll also talk the game one matchups as well. Panthers, Leafs, and Kraken Stars both getting underway. And our old friend Ray Bryce, good to see him again. He'll be back. Uh, on the show tomorrow with us as a guest to uh, break it all down. And then, of course, the BetCast tomorrow night, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time, with a special guest joining us, as Alex alluded to as well. So uh, make sure you join us, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time, Ice Guys Live BetCast, uh, Tuesday, May 2nd, live betting and commentary, me, Alex, the crew, and uh, all of our viewers and listeners and special guests, drinking encouraged. DM me at Bobano on Twitter or email Bobano350 at gmail.com to request a spot on the BetCast tomorrow night, and we will make sure we send you the link for it. And, as and of course, as always, check out patreon.com slash iceguys, just $10 a month, goalie charts, totals charts, power ratings, daily Ice Guys show, betting card, and bonus content. Sign up and subscribe, just $10 a month, patreon.com slash iceguys. Also, check out the Ice Guys store, iceguys.myspreadshop.com. I'm wearing the hoodie. Right now, it's just, I wear it all the time. It's it's so comfortable. I mean, these are these are really nice, well made hoodies. We got t shirts yeah. and caps. We got stuff for the summertime. Uh, we got some you know expanded ladies wear as well. So just check check it out right now at uh, iceguys.myspreadshop.com. Yeah, and I have the uh, the uh, black hoodie uh, for the ice guys, and uh, yeah, it's it's comfy. It is, it, especially in these winter months that I've been dealing with here. <laughs> it keeps you nice and warm. Trust me, uh, you won't get cold wearing that. Uh, no question. Um, hopefully we won't get cold with best bets here on this Monday edition uh, of the uh, Ice Guys. We'll be back with those right after we hear from Manscaped. Support for the Ice Guys is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package, the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 7 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. With the promo code ICEGUYS, that's promo code I-C-E-G-U-Y-S at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, it's about 14 million balls that you can preserve. The Performance Package 4.0 is the complete accessory package to take care of everything that is required. You've got, of course, the Lawnmower 4.0. 
takes care of your facial hair uh, and among other things uh, you've got of course the weed whacker i'm approaching 40 nose hair has become a major issue it pisses the hell out of me i need to take care of that shit and the weed whacker can help you do that both of these products waterproof and a 4000k led spotlight for a more precise shave and you'll also be able to take care of those delicate areas with the ball toner with the ball deodorant keep you smelling good looking good and feeling good down in the nether regions this complete performance package 4.0 will take care of everything for you for all you guys out there and it's courtesy of our good friends at manscape.com so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the promo code ice guys at manscape.com that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscape.com and use promo code ICEGUYS. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right, it is time for Best Bets. It's Game 7, the two best words in sports. Rangers, Devils. Alex, where are you going for Best Bet? Big-time players ball in big-time games, and there is no better clutch performer in National Hockey League history than Sir Patrick Kane. Uh, taping him to score a goal at plus 250, that's available at BetMGM and a couple of other places as well. Uh, Rangers should get the win here in this one in Game 7. I trust in Igor Shosturkin. I definitely trust in Sir Patrick Kane, and uh, I'd like the blue shirts here to advance to the second round. So best bet on Sir Patrick Kane to score a goal at plus 250. My best bet for Game 7. There you go. Patrick Kane, anytime goal scorer, plus 250 for Alex B. Smith with his uh, best bet. Uh, best bet for me for this one, obviously just the one game. Um, I'm going to go to the player prop market once again here uh, tonight. And uh, we're going to go with, I like the uh, price that we get. Uh, he's on a little bit of a, a streak as far as uh, getting uh, over his shots on goal prop. And look, we cashed an easy one with Pasternak yesterday, which was my best bet. We're going to go to Vlad Tarasenko. For the uh, New York Rangers, over two and a half shots on goal at a great price, plus 110, you know, is what you can find with this at a bunch of books. I like it quite a bit. If you look at Tarasenko, four straight games in this series, he's gone over two and a half shots on goal. It's a great price and a great number. Vlad Tarasenko, New York Rangers, over two and a half shots on goal, plus 110 for my best bet here for this game seven. Rangers Devils. All right, that's a wrap. Thanks to everyone for joining us. Hit the like button on the way out. A reminder, the Ice Guys show is live seven days a week, Monday to Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, Saturday and Sunday, noon Eastern. If you can't watch the show live, download the Ice Guys podcast in audio form on all major podcast platforms, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and more. Download the Ice Guys podcast when you can't watch the show live. For Alex P. Smith, I'm Ian Cameron. Have a great Monday night. Enjoy Game 7, Rangers, Devils, and we will be back tomorrow on Tuesday with a doubleheader. 2 p.m. The Daily Show, second round preview, Game 1 previews for the Tuesday games. Myself, Alex P. Smith, and our guest, Ray Bryce, back with us. And then the BetCast tomorrow night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Join us tomorrow on Tuesday right here on the Ice Guys, presented by National Hockey Now.